0: Alright, welcome everybody. Thirsty Thursday, number 37. Welcome back and thanks for joining us. Uh, tonight we are joined by Mike and Ann Galliano uh, from Seattle. Mike had a, had a long career in Seattle Fire Department. Uh, and he's joined tonight by his wife, Ann, um, which we're really excited about here. Um, you know, everything that they've done, uh, if you guys haven't, or if you don't know, they wrote a book on the firefighter marriage, which is fantastic. We're going to show... I think we'll, we'll probably end up talking about that a little bit tonight, um, and I'll show you. I'm going to throw, throw it up on the screen where you can get it. Um, so make sure you get a book um, and read what they have to say. Um, so we're going to. I'm going to cut my part short. We're going to kick it around the horn, um, and then um, we're going to come back with uh, like some current events, like we did last or two weeks ago, uh, and then we're going to get into the show. It's going to be a great show tonight. Um, Bobby's going to be jumping on. He had an overtime shift today. Uh, so speak of the devil. Here he is. Bobby.
1: Hello. Uh,
2: it's like, Be- like Beetlejuice. You should say his name three times. And he just appears. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, welcome, Bobby. We're just we're literally just getting started. So um, we'll kick it over to Trevor and then go around the horn.
2: All right. Great. Uh, thanks, Ben. Again, uh, Mike and Ann, we really appreciate you all coming on. Um, I've had the privilege to meet Mike a few years ago in person, um, well, probably many times passing at FDIC, but uh, Bobby, when we were out at the Alaska Fire Conference, uh, we all had a chance to sit down for a little bit, and uh, besides the work that uh, Mike and Ann have done on the firefighter-spouse uh, relationships, the you know, the fire department marriage, so to speak, and all that um, you know, really important work they've done, uh, Mike, even going back to when you're doing a lot of the stuff with air management uh, back in the day, and quite a bit of that I referred to when I was teaching some classes out at FDIC, say, so, hey, you got to check out these Seattle guys. You got to look at some of the stuff that Mike Galliano is doing. And uh, it's really, it, it, you're, you're not that one, that one hit wonder that's done something and that was it. Uh, so I think you've really diversified in the fire service and we're so happy to have you on. Uh, and for those who are just kind of joining us, uh, a, lot of, a lot of stuff going on in the fire service and public safety here as of late, we'll talk about that here in a few minutes before we kick off the show. And Uh, Certainly pay tribute to those folks. And uh, as Ben had said, this is Thirsty Thursday number 37. And uh, we've been blessed to have a lot of great guests on here. And for those who are newer to the program, the reason we call it Thirsty Thursday is that we want you to drink up some training, drink up some knowledge, take some nuggets home with you. So whether you're drinking iced tea or Long Island iced tea, we really don't care. It's just join us with your favorite beverage of choice and uh, you drink up some of the stuff that that we have to present tonight. So with that,
1: Bobby, I'm going to kick it over to you. Oh, well good evening everybody uh you know ocean City's is a unique situation where we're low on staffing there's not a problem in the rest of the country right now so i got held over so i kind of had to run home quick after work <laughs> i know everyone else is struggling with the same things uh, first of all i guess first and foremost i want to i want to say that you know we had a tragedy here in the mid-atlantic area trevor had talked about already and so i have um set aside three glasses um i'm sure they're looking down on us Ooh. Come on. Oops. sorry about that um i'm sure they're looking down on us and uh and yes we're gonna have three three beers here for the three baltimore city firefighters that, that we lost last week um they had they put them to rest uh in our area for the first time in 225 years the baltimore city fire department closed down and all of our regional fire departments all stepped up um, and went over and staffed all their fire houses, all their ambulances, all their battalion chiefs, um, every every part of it. Um, and, you know, that's just a tribute to the fire service in general, that when someone's hurting, um, everyone's going to come and do all we can uh, to make that a, a better deal. So I know that, like, our local fire departments, you know, Salisbury saw some work over there while they were there. Um, I think Delmar saw some work over there locally. Um, so. You know, Baltimore is a pretty busy place, so it's kind of crazy that they did that, but it was also they could honor those three that, that passed away. Uh, our co-host, Mike, um, unfortunately couldn't be with us tonight. Um, he is working tonight over in Baltimore City, um, and he's had a very, very tough week. Um, so with all of that being said, um, you know, I just want to just raise a toast to Baltimore City, to family and friends of the fallen. Um, and for everyone else in that city that has to pick up the pieces and kind of keep moving on. So uh, with that being said, I really am excited to hear uh, uh, Mike and Ann tonight. Um, you know, I've heard so many things about you and uh, all good. Um, and so it's really great. Uh, we couldn't get Aaron Fields, so we had to settle for something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's was, it was fantastic to have you guys. I can't wait to hear the conversation tonight. So yeah. thanks, everybody, for being here. And Bobby, if you don't mind real quick,
2: um, you know, obviously, you know, being a, a Marylander and an Eastern Shore boy myself, the, the Baltimore City thing is very near and dear to me. And also want to take uh, just a minute to recognize the fire captain out there in Stockton, California, as well. Um, just goes to show that even a routine, basic, not you know what we consider a nothing call, uh, you know, can turn out to be very tragic. So to our brothers and sisters, you know, who, who passed, uh, you know, not only this week, but Throughout the years and the years, you know, certainly your thoughts and prayers. All right, Benny, start us off.
0: All right, Mike and Ann, would, would you guys like to do a little intro and give us a little bit of your backstory and what got you uh, to this point today?
3: You want to start?
4: Uh, well, I guess so. um, you want, like, re- Mike's resume or just how we got here doing the marriage class? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um yeah, I think more just about, like, what brought you guys, what brought the book about, um, you know, maybe a little bit uh, about your your careers, what you did. Um, Mike, if you want to talk a little bit about your career in Seattle.
2: And, and the crash and burn story that led you to having to do this podcast tonight. So I mean, there had to be some tragic circumstance that brought you here.
4: Well, I guess I can just kind of start. I'll just tell you a little bit about us and our story. Um, We met in 1984. (laughs) That's how old we are. Met in the 80s, met in college. Um, I walked into our college dorm, and Mike was the RA in the dorm, running the dorm, student advisor. And uh, he offered to help me move my stuff into my dorm room. And I said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And I found out later... I was the only one that he did that for. I thought he did it for everybody, did it for me. And we've been pretty much worked out. Yeah. We've been pretty much together (laughs) since the day we met in August of 84. Um, We were just, we were a year later. We really wanted to get married, but we didn't have money. We hadn't finished school. We were 20 year old kids. I mean, we were really young. Um, And so in order to finish college and get married, Mike signed up for the air force, went into us air force. Um, they asked us where we wanted to be stationed and we're from Seattle area. Mike's from Idaho. I'm from Seattle. Um, and we said anywhere West of the Rocky mountains would be great. They stationed us in Louisiana. <laughs> That's the military. <laughs> and they asked him what he wanted to do as his profession. And he said computers, cause he was studying computers were a brand new thing back in the eighties. Um, and they put him in the fire department. So that's how we ended up in the fire department (laughs) that's the military um loved it absolutely and we absolutely loved louisiana too that was a great place for us to start and um from there loved the fire department didn't really like the military that much it wasn't quite a good fit for mike um he wanted a little more freedom that's a pretty restrictive environment Uh, Loved the military but it was a not the best fit so we got out of the military And Mike tested for Seattle fire, um, because that's again where I'm from. And it took a long time. And the process, as you know, takes a long time. So in that interim, he became a corrections officer for a a really bad area in Tacoma. Tacoma was kind of our crime, used to be our really crime-filled area. So he was a corrections officer for a year. So he was in the police world for about a year before he got on with the fire department. So that's a little bit of military, police, fire. And then um, got on with Seattle Fire, raised our boys. And when they were done off going off to college, he decided to become a captain. And he promoted to captain in Seattle Fire. And when he became a captain, he became the training captain at the training center. And at the training center, he was now on a day shift and there every day and running into firefighters that he hadn't seen since the beginning. And um, every day he was hearing from them that their marriages were falling apart and that they were divorced or, you know, guys he hadn't seen for a long time. Now he's seeing them. And so, uh, you know, after about, what, two months of this heartbreak and hearing divorce after divorce after divorce all across the department, um, he just came home to me one day and asked me a very simple question. And he said, um, boy, our marriages are really struggling. Is there something tough about living with a firefighter? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and by this time, we've been married 24 years. Um, and he said, well, do you, can you write some of this down? So maybe next time somebody asks me for advice, I'll know what to say. And so he was expecting a little teeny little post-it note with an idea or two and, and instead I handed him this type 10 page annotated document of, of things I've observed over 24 years of marriage at that point um, and handed it to him I said well here you go these, these this is my perspective as a spouse um, what I've seen what we and I really really thought hard about it and really looked over our history areas that we fought areas that we struggled areas and, and tips of how we dealt with it, because nobody told us a thing when we got into these professions. Nobody tells you anything. Um, you're just expected to adapt and, and figure it out. And um, so I, this is how we got here. was just kind of my perspective after all these years and, and from his simple question on, are we kind of tough to live with? Are firefighters tough to live with? <laughs> so that's how we that's how we got here. And sometimes the spouse can tell the firefighter a little bit better because sometimes you don't see your own issues. Sometimes it helped because he didn't really know um, what to say to the other firefighters. So that's how we got here. That's, that's what led to this. And he gave it to Bobby Halton at fire engineering. My, my answer to his question uh, submitted that and they published it. And then that led to a column, which I wrote for 10 years. And the columns led to the book and the book kind of helped us develop a, a class along the way. So that's how we got here. <laughs> that simple that's question. Fantastic. Are we hard to live with? Yes. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us
2: might be harder to live with than others, obviously,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> well, Mike, fantastic.
2: Mike, man, let me ask you this. Um, how, how do you get to take that 30,000 foot view of yourself? Because agreeably, if you're too close to an issue yourself, you don't have that perspective and you don't see all the ramifications of it, and all the ripples on the pond with it. And just to clear everybody in a little bit um, prior to coming on the show, we were having a, a brief discussion about, um, you know, that that crystal ball that is not issued to the spouses. But, uh, you know, like like in my case, if I come home from you know, one of our infamous shifts in Ocean City and needed, I needed to get back into being you know, either husband or dad, not you know, the, the uptight, uh, you know, Captain BC, whatever's going on. And I need to take that time to hit the reset button, or as my wife would call it, going to my island. But if I didn't take the time to say, hey, um, I just need a little reset time. I need to go to my island for a few minutes, an hour, whatever, just um, so that I'm not that jackass coming you know, to my family. Um, but instead of relaying that or articulating that, I assumed it was a given. And then, you know, in, until my wife came and said, Hey, you know, whiskey, tango, foxtrot over what's, what's the problem here. Um, and then we had a great conversation and we we're able to go where, you know, I can say, Hey, I need to go to my island for a few minutes. So how do you, how do you engage? I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Mike asked a very simple question and probably got more than what he bargained for in a response, yeah. which is great. But, but how do you, how do you start that conversation, but also, uh, from the spouses, and how do you, how do you start that to say, hey, you know, here's the thirty thousand foot view of you.
3: Well, boy, you know, let me let me enter. It's a lot there to unpack, but let me enter into it this way. Um, I, the reason why I hope the book is resonating and why the classes are resonating is because firefighters, when they read it or they see us or hopefully when you listen to us you're not going to see somebody on a pedestal, you know, or a, or a, whatever, you know, an icon or this great example of this, that, or the other. And my hope is that what you're going to see is just two folks like yourself who are, we normal everyday folks. Um, love, I love being in the fire service. Um, it's just been such a privilege to have, this is my calling and such a privilege to be hanging out with, you know, firefighters like yourself and, you're all a bit odd ducks and you're my kind of odd ducks, you know. And everywhere I go, you know, we were talking about having all the regions covered here with Maryland and Florida and Southern California. And, you know, it's wonderful just to go to different places and the accents are different, the weather's different, some of the, you know, some of the configuration of the way guys do stuff is different, but the guys are, you know, pretty much the same wherever you go, and it's wonderful. Um trying to make that love for this calling that we have intersect and work well with the other cool thing in my world which is my home life you know my place of safety and security and um the 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 place that i love and the person that i love more than anybody in the world trying to make that work and you actually kind of answered it in short there trevor with you kept using the word conversation 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 um and did a dump load of work in writing her columns and researching and reading other people's materials and trying to figure out a way to condense down the things that we saw that were working for us, why they were working, and how to put it into words that everybody could understand. And I'll tell you what kept coming back was there's no particular words that work other than you've got to commit to having a conversation in your language, in your way, with your variables, your family variables, you know, you, you aren't us. We're, we're wired a particular way. We have a belief system that is a particular way, our personalities and temperaments, our, our situation is, you know, it's not all unique to us, but the, the elements are unique to us. And yours are too. But in the middle of having these conversations about the things that are common to us, the struggles, the challenges, and most importantly, what Anne identified was the unique things about the fire service that now try to intersect back into the home life and how to have legitimate conversations about those in a way that you can get on each other's side. And you can, you know, you can start, you know, understanding each other and figuring out, oh, you're not just being, you know, a jerk or you're not just being micromanaging or you're not being insensitive. Here's what's going on. Let me get on your side and let's make it happen. And so that's what she did. I mean, it took a while, but she in the book, there's a lot of things in the book and there's a lot of things in the class, but she narrowed it down to five key conversations that as a couple, you have to have and hopefully have them when you're not mad at each other, you know, and not on the other end of a, you know, a really bad event or whatever, Um, have these five key conversations. And if you do that, it helps you to get past a good many of the things that we found in our relationship were trouble spots and that we're finding in most firefighter marital relationships end up being the place where breakdown happens. And so um, I hope that's at least a start to the answer, you know, of, of how we got here and, and those types of things. Uh, the conversations, and I'm sure we'll talk about what a few of those are, whatever you wanna do, um, you do wanna have them when you're chilled out. you know. Don't, don't have them when you're angry, don't have them in the middle of a fist fight. I think you wanna have them when you're not you know, in, in a place where you're constantly being interrupted, put your phone away, you know, get the kids off to a sitter or while they're at school or kick them to grandma's house or whatever. And you've got to come from a perspective. And this is going to be hard because this is not where our culture is right now. You've got to come from a perspective of selflessness, not selfishness, not what am I getting? What about me? I want my thing. Give me my thing. And I know that's our culture right now. And unfortunately, our fire service culture is, is kind of going through this this whole thing. Uh, if you approach it from a what's it up all about for me and what do I get out of it and why isn't my spouse doing this for me, et cetera, et cetera it's going to be really difficult to get on each other's side. Um, our, our perspective is we're trying very hard to serve each other, to take care of each other, uh, to get on each other's side and to to help each other with the things that are not working. And if both of you are doing that, it makes the conversations, the five that we're going to recommend or whatever ones you're having, I think they have a much better chance of being productive.
2: And and Mike, to to that end, um, yeah, I'm I'm listening to what you're saying. And I I really appreciate the fact that, you know, it's like sitting across the uh, (laughs) coffee table from somebody. and We're just having a conversation. So the way you all have gone about this is you're not pontificating. There is no silver bullet solution to anything. But I really think that, you know, and from your perspective, you've gotten into a firefighter's head, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, because <laughs> you were able to prioritize. We understand a priority list when we get on the scene of something and we get on a high-rise fire. Here's the top five things we need to do. They might not be in that particular order, but if I can say, hey, I've got one, two, and three done, and, you know, can you take care of four and five? So, you um, and I know, you know, Ben, you uh, Bob, Bobby, you're a you're a marriage veteran. You've been married for quite a long time. Um, you probably get less time if you killed somebody. But anyway, Ben, you're relatively new at it, so we're we're all coming at this from a different perspective. But what are what are some of those what what are some of those five key elements that that for regardless of where you are, personalities like you said, different um, ideologies, belief systems. What are those five common things that we can take a look at?
4: Um, Well, I, again, I narrowed it. I, I thought of all these things when, when you're asked a question, there's all this history and elements that swim around. And I just kept narrowing it down and narrowing it down and, and all these little instances and memories, and um, they kept falling into those five categories. And that was, what was cool about it. You know, all these thoughts, narrowing down, um, separating them, putting them in this column, putting them in that column. What I started with, though was, what about this profession that is different than other professions? And um, actually, the first question I asked, is the divorce rate higher? Because it seems like it is. Um, no hard scientific data on that. But again, and again, and again, the, the statistics tended to lean towards military as number one, um, fire and police tied for two and three, uh, and medical number four, those four kept rising to the top consistent. And, and interestingly, we've been all four, military, fire, police, and Mike's EMS. So medical is in there. Um, and so then I started looking about those four. What do, they, what do they experience that maybe the rest of society does not? And the things that kept right, and again, this was back when nobody was talking about what you guys go through, um, the things that kept rising to the top were danger and trauma and those words were not mentioned to us ever in our history just danger trauma um, and then add to that for the firefighter sleep deprivation because of the 24-hour shift Um, those three things have huge impact on your on your person physically emotionally and then sleep deprivation which is something we struggled with and still struggle with Um, his inability to sleep adds to um, kind of this this funk or this grouchiness or this tough to live with at times at the firehouse alive and alert and at your best and on the, on adrenaline at home, we're seeing the other side of that. And, and how as a spouse, do we deal with that? How do we have patience with that? So looked at those three differences, which are huge, danger, trauma, sleep deprivation. Um, and again, all these thoughts, how do I narrow it down um, came up with the five and they were the five conversations. And so, the first one, um, and you mentioned it, and, and this, I call it reentry time. And that was that transition from this intense um, rock and roll world of the fire service, now segueing back home. And I noticed that as a young fire wife way back in 1990, which is when Mike started, we had two little boys. And I remember many, many times things going wrong at reentry time, him coming in the door, <laughs> And literally we would pounce on him, me and the little boys. We haven't seen you for a long, long time. And we want to talk and we want to bond and the kids want to play with you. And this broke while you were gone. And and then him being like almost irritated by that and, and wanting to get away from me. It's like you just got home and then you're wanting to get away from me. And that used to really offend me and hurt my feelings. And um, if a spouse doesn't understand what, the firefighter has just been through in 24 hours. How can I help but take it personally? Um, Like you said, the crystal ball, I can't read your mind. I can't understand because I wasn't there. So that's why I try to get the spouse a little bit on the firefighter side with they've been through danger. They've been through trauma. They've been up all night. They don't want to just sit down and have a heart to heart major conversation with you the minute they walk in the door don't take it personally because I did. I took it personally. We fought. What I learned to do trial and error was give him that re-entry team. Like you said, go to your Island, go decompress, give them, give them a chance to shift gears because it's, it's an entirely different mindset than most civilians can ever understand that what you have to go through to do what you do, you have to alter physically. You have to shut down emotionally. You're up all night again. All these transitions are huge. And if you're not given a chance to have that time to decompress, you are going to clash with your spouse and your kids. And um, so that's the first conversation. I call it re-entry time. Figure out what works for you. For Mike, it was just leave him alone for an hour or so. Um, don't expect, I uh, used to call it the assault when I would just pepper him with questions, you know, the assault, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me and fix this, fix this, do this. And, and, uh, and like I said, it went bad for us and it would set a bad tone for the whole day. Um, oftentimes it would take two to three days to recover from that bad, um, encounter. And then he's off to work again. And so the cycle would just continue perpetuate. And somewhere in there, I just figured out he was better if I left him alone. And then later in the day, um, then he would be in a better place, a better mind frame to sit and actually talk to me because he did want to see me. He was happy to be home, even though it seemed like he wasn't, um, give him that break, understand that he's dealing with intense stuff. Um, so that's the first conversation. It's, it's re-entry time, all kinds of ways to do it. Like you said, go to your island, take a nap, um, just sit and quietly read, take a hot bath, you know, whatever it takes to help you shift gears um, that that's really, really helpful to set a good tone <laughs> for the rest of your time off, help you reconnect um, saved us a lot of, a lot of fights when I figured out to do that for him.
3: When well, you, you see the reason it's a conversation and not a rule, you know, or, or a checklist or, a, you know, do what Mike and Ann did is your guys' lives are set up different than ours, right? You know, I mean, some spouses work, some spouses, you know, work at home and take care of the kids. There's a thousand different configurations and variables to people's lives. That's why it's a conversation for you and the person that you love most to say, so here's the problem. The problem is rock and roll, high intensity, see a ton of terrible crap, much more terse environment and now segue to home. That's the problem. How do we, as a couple that wants now to get along and to navigate it well, for us and the way we're configured, how do we make this work so we're not constantly crashing at the door? And, you know, some days you just got to suck it up, right? You know, you, it's the way it is. You know, you, you get home and it's right into the, this broke and that broke and whatever. But if you're doing that all the time and you're continually crashing into each other, Bad stuff is going to get said, feelings are going to get hurt, time's going to get wasted. Um, uh, uh, so many problems could be avoided if you just navigate this thing called, you know, as she described, as reentry time.
0: Yeah, I, I know. When um, in my previous job um, working at the high school, I would come home at the end of the night, you know, six six thirty, seven o'clock on the early nights. Um, and when Rachel, my wife was on, um, FMLA time from just having the baby, she'd be home with, with this infant all day. And she, like, she thrives on interaction with other people. Like she has to have that interaction and her being at home all day with an infant while it's great, she doesn't have that interaction with everybody else. So I come walking to the door, I'm angry that I was at work all day and now, now she's the baby's. Like angry because she kept it kept her awake so I could see her, and she's like, "Here, do you want to hold her?" I was like, "No,
4: no, it's an angry baby.
0: Who wants to hold an angry baby?" Like I held her. Yep, it's cute. Here, can we put her to bed now? Um, but it got to the point where I was like, "No, just put her to bed. I'll I'll go in. I'll kiss her goodnight. Like I'm good." And and once once she got back to school, um, the baby went to daycare, and we had that time where like she had interaction with other people. Like she had more of her needs met and it was much, it was much easier when, when I got home, you know, to have that reentry time and that time back together. Um, but it was, it was rough. I would come home and she would just be 90 miles an hour. I was like, I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it.
4: Yeah.
3: So. So, so here's an important thing. And it, it's, I appreciate the, I appreciate the honesty, you know, and the example. When you get ready to approach the conversation this is really important and it's going to work against many of your natures it really is don't feel bad about it it works against our natures too what you described is exactly the types of challenges that it's like i need this and i you know i need this well i need this well i need this well, well you got to understand i've got that. well you got to understand i you know when you get into that that smash and grab nothing gets done and mm-hmm. that's why i want to really emphasize you, you start the conversation with a heart towards I'm looking out for the person on the other side of this conversation and I'm going to do what I can to make sure that I take care of their needs. If both of you are doing that, you have a real chance of success. If both of you are coming to the, the conversation that's now going to become an argument with, hey, you know, screw you, hero. I know you're out there trying to save lives, but spend all day with these damn kids, you know. <laughs> spend all day teaching school or working in the emergency room or trying to sell cars or whatever the jobs are that are stressful as well you know live in my shoes for a little bit which is a it's a true observation it, it's yeah. a legitimate observation but when you come at it from here's my corner and you should take care of me because and well you should take care of me because you have a much more challenging time of getting together we were successful in large part because both of us at our heart we're looking out for each other and we were willing to put our own stuff aside. And in the intersection of that, we met each other's needs and we don't do it perfectly all the time. Believe me, we, uh, we, we had plenty of it. dustups and screw ups and you know, learning along the way. And I think both of us were, if we talked about it at length, we're both ashamed of how many, how much time we lost, how much time we wasted being pissed off at each other and not really knowing why. But, you know, mm-hmm. Trevor, as you mentioned, nobody's, Nobody told you about this stuff. Nobody said anything about this or prepared you for it. So,
2: yeah, but my and you said uh, both you and Ann said something really important I'm going to get to in a second and I want to get Bobby to chime in here cuz one of um, I'll kind of embarrass Bobby and put him on the spot besides just, you know, being an all-around, you know, great firefighter, paramedic, instructor, everything else, one of Bobby's greatest talents is that if, if you see something as black, I see it as white, he sees that shade of gray that none of us considered and we have that aha moment. Um, and that's again. I, I want to get to chime in, but um, when when you had talked about uh, you, know, when you come home, you're getting peppered. Oh, this is broken. You need to fix that. Part of it, I think, too, is a, a little bit of our personality, where we're decision makers. We want to we want to address the incident, we want to mitigate it, and we want to you know put the report in the box. And that's how we approach some things. Like so, if if your spouse just maybe they don't want you to fix crap for them they can fix it themselves they just want you to listen to them for a second they just want to be able to vent they want to be able to talk they want to be able to put their stuff out there and go that feels better but instead we're like hold on okay what's the problem all right do this 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 if we're going to do this now we can't now we can't figure out what the hell we're going to have for dinner because it's like we when we get home we don't want to make any more decisions because we just made a decision on this 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 and life and death and you know um, you know, the nine blind children and their disabled mother that we save from searing heat and blinding smoke. Uh, yeah, all that stuff that we you know, we do or we think we do. But at the end of the day, sometimes they just don't want us to fix anything for them. They just want us to sit there, shut up and listen for a minute. And you know, they need to decompress, too, because you know, we're just so focused on uh, with our horse blinders on to say, Man, you know, long 24 hour shift. And like I used to tell my guys and I tell some of them now, even though I'm not on shift work anymore. Ha ha, Bobby. Is that, you know, when I was on a 24, 72, the guys at work, they had me for 24 hours and they had 72 hours off from me. My wife had 72 hours on 24 hours off. There was a big difference (laughs) in those two things.
4: So, um,
2: but I think that was a really important thing that you said is that we have that that fix it mentality And either that decompression time where we don't want to, you know, we frustrate our spouse by saying, I don't care what we have for dinner. And we have a a two hour argument about what to have to eat, or we just completely dismiss their, their thoughts, their concerns, their stress, anything going on, because we're just like, okay, stop, you know, and we're, we're just applying that instant management philosophy to our relationships. And um, most people in the relationship with you don't want to be managed. I don't think, I mean, I'm not the, the brightest bulb in the box, but I think after, you know, 20 some years of marriage now, I figured that one out too. So, um, you know, Bobby, can you kind of chime in here a little bit too? Cause I know, again, you see those things and, uh, yeah, I want, uh, I want Bob Mike and Ann to, uh, you know, get in on what you have to say, cause you're, you always have that thing that none of us considered. So
1: here's your time, brother. Uh, not in relationships. <laughs> I, I don't have, I mean, I can only speak from my own experience and, and my experience was, um, you know, I, I, I too went in the military. I was in the Navy. And uh, when I was on the ship, uh, they put me on the fire crew. And, and for those of you guys that aren't in the military, they don't ask you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so it's funny when I, when I left the Navy, um, I was actually the number one nozzleman, which, I didn't think any of it. Now I look back, that's like one of the most important jobs on a whole fire team on a ship. I never knew it because they just said, this is what you do. That's it. And I kind of went from there. So um, that was my exposure to the beginning of the fire service. So when, when Kathy and I got together, I just got started a couple years out of Navy, three four, about three years out of the Navy, I guess. And I wanted to continue firefighting. So uh, my town of Millville, Delaware, they had a volunteer fire department. I joined up and right at, at 88 and 91 i started doing it as a career um so the fir- that was the first big strain on our relationship was i had never worked shift work and she had never been with anybody who worked shift work and um I, that was really honestly we almost i would we we probably would have broke up if we didn't have kids and so at that point the kids were really just a fabric kind of holding us together and then later on through trial and error i guess you could call it we started did start having you know conversations the second thing with my situation was you know my wife was a prosecutor um a lawyer and she did she just retired a couple of years ago after 32 years of that uh law particularly bores me um and she doesn't like to hear about blood and guts. so we didn't have lots of conversations about my work because it it you know she didn't want to hear it and i was kind of bored with law yeah, so we had, to, we had to kind of, you know, say, hey, you know, and the, the biggest one was, uh, you remember to see Shores Park, Trevor, uh, a Shoresfire driver. Sorry, guys. You <laughs> got the to get rid of that?
3: Mom always calls. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> count, up, count on my mom to call. Oh,
1: uh, uh, I got you. I got you. Sorry about you. that. No worries. No worries. So um, I had a, a particular fire it was it was fairly sketchy. And it was a, it was a very, very close call for five of us. And it had, you know, had to do with a, a firefighter rescue and an apartment fire. And, um, you know, my wife had always said to me, she said, hey, I don't want to hear about work like that. So I said, OK, so we're out all night long and, and I get home and I don't say anything. Well, she actually works with her one of her coworkers was married to the other guy that was involved in his fire with me. And she started telling her all about this. And Kathy came home and said, you son of a bitch, why didn't you tell me about that? And I said, because you told me not to tell you about that stuff. So for in my situation, they, people aren't always saying what they mean, you know, and and, and she, she wanted to know what was going on at work. Um, she wanted to know what was happening with me, you know, and, um, you know, time and age helped us a lot um, because I learned, you know, love can create a relationship, but negotiations is the only way it's going to stay together. Um, I, I've heard lots of people that are, they're, they're divorced and say, I still love them or I love her, you know, um, but they didn't have the negotiating skills. So, um, I, I'm not an expert at it. I don't have any gray areas for you, Trevor. I'm sorry. I, I am <laughs> going through life figuring it out on my own. Um, but it's been, um, you know, I, I wouldn't trade any the world we've been married for about 33 years now going on 33 years. Um, and I started the fire service at the same time. So any younger guys on here, don't do both at the same time it'd be quite the strain. So I literally got married and got in the fire service all at kind of the same time. And that, that was a very unusual way to do it. I wouldn't recommend doing it that way. I do either get married for a few years or do the fire service for a few years or something. But um, that was a, that was the most difficult time in, in in our relationship, but now it's, it's, it's good. We really can talk about things a whole lot better. Um, But things still build up for us. You know, we, we still have stuff boiling over where, you, you know, you know it's boiling over when you got three or four things you're mad about. That means you're not talking about it. <laughs> you know? And then when you give it to them they give you six things back, you say, "Oh, we haven't been talking for a while." So I, I'm, it's great hearing you guys. I really—I've uh, not read this book, but I'm going to read it because it'll probably help me uh, survive <laughs> my my next 35 years. Right. Well, Bobby, give well, so yourself a little bit more credit.
3: Uh, here's a really cool thing that that happened in the midst of what you guys just talked about. Uh, it happened in the when we were in the pre show time and we were just chatting we weren't on air and trevor you brought up the idea of re-entry time and you know having that gap and then right before you started talking bobby um trevor was talking about the fix it kind of nature that we have the fix it mentality Mm -hmm. um and then bobby as you started talking you started talking about how do you navigate the tough runs how do you figure out what's okay to talk about etc all three of those things are three of the five conversations. Yep. And you see the now here's the encouragement I have for all of your folks that are listening. You're not alone. This is, it's, it's part of the challenges that the job bring to home life. Don't feel weird. Don't feel frustrated. Don't feel hopeless. We're all dealing with this stuff. And so now that you know, you're not alone. Now it should be okay to start to move forward to it's like okay if this is kind of the same stuff that's happening to everybody how do we navigate it to where we can love the job love being a firefighter fulfill our calling but not lose our home and not only not lose it but have a kick ass home you know have a have a home that's awesome and a relationship that's really close and tight i just i was just smiling that we didn't even tell you what the five main conversations are you hit three of them without even having to be asked. That's because it's it's universal for the most part to to people that are doing our job and trying to have a good relationship.
4: No, you actually hit conversation number four when you said, um, "I don't want to be a drill instructor with my four year old." Yeah, that's one of them. It's called I call it harshness yeah. and and bringing home that firefighter speak yeah. and starting to dictate to your spouse and your kids because you're still in firefighter mode so that's actually the fourth one <laughs> you, you brought that up too well, See how I, they it's gonna be a game out now out. to figure yeah. out
2: we can figure out what number five is so I'm, I'm sure we're gonna hit it here soon
4: probably i'll let you guess <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: no. Well, talk, talk real quick about fix-it mentality you know here's the here's the challenge we have we've never struggled with fix-it mentality so i don't know what you're talking about
4: oh you know? yeah right <laughs> that was that was part of the assault like you said where it's just they're just wanting to talk. And then you shift into hold it. Let's make a list. Let's fix it. And, and I, I found that a lot with Mike um, that I'm just wanting to vent and to share my emotions and my feelings. And uh, it's almost, you can almost can't say this anymore without being labeled a sexist, but it's true. We women do like to talk about our emotions, typically more than men do. That's just been our experience. Um, And in talking about my emotions with my best friend, uh, there's healing in that for me. And that's something that he doesn't quite understand. (laughs) As a man, talking about emotions typically is not only not healing for you, but actually irritating and and don't understand it. And so what you'll tend to try to do, what is comfortable for you, especially for firefighter men, Mm -hmm. is to switch into... Fix it mode because that is what's comfortable for you. That is how you feel like you're helping your spouse, um, and and that used to really irritate me. It's like, no, I don't need you to fix this. I want you to listen to me. I need you. Um, I need your advice from as a friend, not as a firefighter. And typically. Um, I I call it whipping out the dry erase board with the five point plan. You know, (laughs) this is what's wrong and this is what you need to do. And and let's let's address this. And you were wrong to do it that way. And next thing you know, I've gone from seeking comfort to now I'm I'm offended. (laughs) It's like what you think I'm an idiot that I don't know these things or um, and all of those things work in the firehouse. They work in a professional setting. They don't work in interpersonal relationships. They just don't. Um, and, and probably the reason for that is, again, it can come across as insulting or condescending um, as this is my boss. I'm the subordinate. Um, just doesn't work, even even though it's well intended. Um, and, and the other aspect of that, too, um, how we often get to the explosion point, um, especially as a young spouse, I noticed again what he's dealing with and his problems are life and death. They're thrilling, they're exciting. My problems started to feel almost ridiculous by comparison. And so I would withhold them waiting for a time that was perfect, that was peaceful, that was mellow to approach him. And in the world of firefighting, there is never a perfect time. It never slows down. You guys are always having intense situations. So we're dealing with two problems. Me waiting till I'm ready to explode And him replying with the fix it mentality. And so here we are um, my holding back and his not responding correctly. So that's that's the problem that we had to address. Um, I learned to bring my problems to him immediately as needed. No reason to wait because there's never going to be a perfect time. There just never is. So and don't especially for the young spouses never feel like your problems are ridiculous. He never saw it that way. It was just my own mistaken belief that compared to what you're dealing with, mine don't matter. Not true. And he would tell me that again and again and again, your problems matter to me, bring them to me, don't hold back. Uh, And then number two, don't go into fix it mode. Just sit down, listen, be my friend. Um, That's what I need. You don't have to understand it just do it. <laughs> just, just listen. It helps.
2: Yeah. Now, what are your thoughts? And you and Mike both, what are your thoughts on place? You talked about time, which you, know, that everything you said, I think is phenomenal, but one of the things, uh, and Mike, you hit on this a little earlier, that when you come home, that's, that's your domicile, that's your bubble. And that's where you should feel the safest. You can you know, let your vulnerabilities hang out and you're know, getting past when you got to fix this, got to fix that. But then when I would feel that I could say, okay, well, here's how I'm feeling about this, 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 and this. I'm still a little bit in that firehouse mode where I use the F-bomb like a comma. And I've got my five-year-old kid who doesn't need that vocabulary expander. And then I might get my, you know, uh, my knickers in a twist because if my wife says, not right now, and I'm thinking, you want me to talk here? I'm 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 doing my Chris (laughs) (laughs) Rapp imitation. Sorry, guys, you guys. Awesome. (laughs) So, but... But then, you know, I'm, I'm not conceptualizing. Yes, there's there's the time, which is extremely important and getting it out when it's important to you. But now there's the place. And if if I'm putting it out there and then you kind of you feel like you're getting a mixed message because perception is reality. And all my spouse might be trying to say is, look, you know, it's bad enough. Our son was raised by a pack of wildfiremen. But you know, we really don't need to I- expand on this too much. Maybe we ought to have this conversation in a in a different time in a different place. It doesn't mean that she doesn't want to hear what I have to say. It's she's you know saving me from having to explain to a teacher why my uh, you know son is fixated on four letter words. So, what are your thoughts about uh, you know trying to time and and place everything? Uh, and again, you said there's never that perfect time. There's never that ideal moment. Um, but what what if the place isn't isn't right? How do you? What what are your thoughts on addressing that?
3: Well, um, I do. Most of what we're talking about, you have to be purposeful. You know, you have to be volitional. You got to be if you're just doing it in a haphazard manner and hope it works out, you're going to get haphazard results and you're going to get the results that work out. Um, That's why the conversations, I think, are purposeful. It's like we're purposefully going to have these chats. And that is part of one of them. I mean, we've mentioned it a couple of times you want to have the conversation when you can. You can't script everything, you know? I mean, sometimes you got to chat about things right now, you know, just, but the more important stuff and, and, you know, especially when you start talking about things like you, you've hurt me, you know, you've hurt my feelings or, you know, um, I had a really difficult run, um, man, you know, you heard what you just said to your son or to your daughter, or you, do you hear what you just, when you're having, you know, the really important, to try to schedule it in a time when it's, when it's good and it's appropriate and you actually can listen to each other and you're not interrupted, you know, constantly being interrupted and and the phone is put away and the telephone. Yeah. The telephone shut off and all this stuff. You got to be purposeful about it. Um, The fifth conversation is first family first. It kind of encapsulates all the other ones and, and kind of rolls them all together And a key part of first family first is you've got to be purposeful in planning and making sure there is time for your family and time for your relationship and time to hang out together and to have meals together and to grow together and to spend time together. And if you don't, you're going to have a transitory relationship. You're going to be ships that are passing in the night. You're going to cohabitate and you're going to share finances, at least for a little while. You're going to share finances and then you're going to divide them up. That's usually the the way, the path that that goes. But in First Family First it, you know, Anne talked I think really well about love your calling, love the fire service, enjoy that, but never let it come to the point where that becomes more important than number one, the person that you're gonna grow old with, hopefully. Number two, the other relationships that you have, your, your children, your parents, your other family members, your friends and your neighbors, that is, a, that is a compelling part of life, and it's a healthy part of life. And if, if one side is taking too much away, it's an unhealthy situation to be in. And I would, you know, it's not just professionally and family. Um, one of the mistakes that we made, um, I think some folks will resonate with this. There was a period in our married life and in our professional life where I got way out of balance, and it wasn't family, and it wasn't family fire department, it was out of balance in relation to doing things for church, in the church world. And I mean, you know, very compelling stuff, right? You know, what could be more compelling than, you know, the, the the service to a God I believe in as much as I'm talking to you guys, I believe that. But I I got to the point where I was so committed to the people and the things I was doing in the church world, that number one, my family was getting slighted. And number two, interestingly enough, I don't feel like I was given full bang for the buck to the fire department. I mean, I was probably doing as good as the normal guy does, you know, who just shows up, earns their paycheck, you know, and, you know, and and I wasn't getting it in trouble or anything, but I wasn't, I wasn't doing it with the intentionality that I wanted to do it or that that was in my heart. And I actually had to sit in kind of judgment and say, look, church stuff is great. Wonderful. Awesome. That type of service is important but it gets a bite. It gets a piece of my life. And that's the piece that it gets. The fire service is, is an, is amazing. And I'm so grateful for it, but it gets a a piece of me and it's purposeful and my family. And in particular, my relationship with Ann, that gets the predominant piece of my life and my attention. And, and here's why it'll be really important. We end that segment when we do our fire classes we end that segment with a picture of my coat on the hook in Seattle Fire for the last time, and I took it literally, guys. I took that picture 10-15 seconds before I walked out of the firehouse for the last time as an active firefighter. At least I think it's the last time. You never know, but I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, it probably one of the, one of the most emotional moments of my life, as you would imagine. I mean, thirty three years of Being in firehouses and going to fires, I was lucky. I retired as a truck captain. So my career was spent doing the things that I love to do. And that chapter now is over. And boy, those of you you that are listening right now know this. It took Seattle Fire all of about 10 seconds to move on from me. One of my friends, it was actually kind of cool, a friend of mine, a guy I've trained a lot with, a dynamite fire officer, uh, he took over the rig that day. Um, and it's next man up and they'll, some, some folks will miss you. They'll remember some of the things you did. Hopefully you'll be thought of well, at least mostly well, but I promise you the job is going to move on from you. I was, I was so important to Seattle fire that on the last day I worked, it was a half day because of the way the hours worked out. I could only do a shift. I was so critical to Seattle fire department that on the last day I worked, I was still on the job, I was already kicked out of the department email system and I couldn't even log on to my own rig. I couldn't log on. I had the guys had to log me onto my own rig because I was already kicked out of the system. That's how important I was <laughs> to the overall thing. Um, you know what? here's here's the deal. What you're gonna want on that day because you know that that day that you finally hang them up and every one of you are gonna have that day. The biggest tragedy will be that day, you know, that chapter's now written and it was glorious. It was awesome. Imagine the devastation to go home to an empty house, go home to a divided home, go home to, you know, a situation where your kids are going to five different places for the holidays and you're dividing up all your stuff. And, you know what I mean? Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you candidly, I'm very proud of my fire service career. I really am. I mean, I didn't do everything right, but I gave it my all. I really did. I, I gave what I had. To Seattle fire into my fire service career. I am much more proud of the fact that Ann and I for 36 years, we have been writing a love story together. We've been writing a story that was not easy to write and challenging times and difficult stuff. And we didn't always see eye to eye. But I am incredibly proud of the story that we're writing together and the story we're going to write together. I wouldn't change it for any other thing in the world. I wouldn't change it for the fire service. I wouldn't change it for my kids. I wouldn't change it for um, professional accomplishments and, and those types of things—all those things are awesome emphasis points in the middle of our story. But our story is the most important thing to
2: me. And Mike, real quick—I know we're going to get ready to wrap up here in a little bit—but um, you know, look at, looking at what you said, I know we joked that when we retire, that our spouse gets you know twice the husband at half the income. Um, and that's a whole different story. And, and one of the classes are, you know, hey man, if it's little,
3: half the income, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah,
2: you know, if you're lucky. Yeah. And, uh, but one of the things that uh, we're doing a 360-degree leadership class, um, and one of the things that's it's kind of near and dear to me right now is that transition from warrior to elder, if you will. And you know, you're so used to like having that code on the hook and doing things. And it's not so much about you know, you promote to different things, but now it's it's that new scary chapter, and I couldn't imagine. Um, you know, with, with some of the things that I'm on the cusp of and looking at, um, you know, in, in my per, in my own career, without having, like you said, that support at home, that even if they can't, and my wife was in the fire service, so I had that benefit of of that, but also the this perception that she's you know had that crystal ball again. But nevertheless, it, you know, if if I had to go home to that um, that empty house or that that divided home. Um, you know, how much more difficult that would be. So, you know, you look at the struggles that you might have with things or even the other people on the job that you're trying to assist or give some sage, um, not so much advice to, but just, you know, share some information with them. But if, if you weren't able to maintain those relationships, um, you know, in your, in your personal life and have those people that were there to support you, even when you've been a raging ass um, that still, you know, show you some grace and some forgiveness and say, you know what, you know, you're, you're not a bad person overall, but you know, there's times that you are challenging, and you know, they they call you out on it, which is good. So, uh, you know, that's that is such a fortunate thing, and you know, again, just so glad for the work that you all have done to, um, you know, to show that you know the everyday firefighter, the everyday fire officer, that you know it is, um, it is something that you can address, it is something that you can manage, uh, and not from a that sterile management perspective, but it's it's something that. Uh, you're not alone in, and I think that you made that uh, that point, you know, ex- exceptionally well. That uh, you know, people don't have to feel isolated with it. So, um, you know, with, with that, I'll kind of shut up for a minute because once I get on, once I get on my soapbox, I get too lazy to stop. So, <laughs> with that, Ben, I'll kick it back over to you.
0: All right, what we're uh, like, Travis said, we're just about at an hour, so um, let's go ahead and, and start wrapping it up and some final thoughts, and um, you know, just in in relation to what. Uh, Mike and Anna just mentioned about, um, you know, at the end of their career, you know, I had something similar just happen, um, six months in a day into my new career, uh, which by the way, LT, I'm halfway through my first year of probation. So
3: awesome, man. Yeah. Keep it going.
0: <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I worked in, in the public high school for 14 years, um, and had some things happen, you know, the, the birth of our daughter. Um, and that schedule didn't really fit our family well. Um, like I, I mentioned earlier in the show, I'd come home and, you know, we're right on the cusp of like her being angry and going to bed. And it was just rough for us. Um, and and decided to make the transition and, and become a career fireman. And I I resigned from my position that I had had for 14 years before I had another job. Um, so on my last day, when I'm walking out of school, everybody's asking, Hey, what are you doing? Where are you going? I'm like, i uh, I don't really know. Um, and you know, the decision that, that we made that Rachel and I made together was that, you know, I can't go back there cause it's affecting our family life. Um, and it's not, it's not going to work for us. Um, so we were, I was going to find a job somewhere doing something. Um, and I was fortunate enough, uh, to be in the process uh, for a couple of departments and actually was offered the position in ocean city, which I am, just excited and, and love my, um, my new, my new place and my new career. Um, and it's worked out extremely well. So, you know, it's not, it's not just at the end of, um, you know, the, your career at one place, it could be a midlife change, um, that, you know, you have to have that someone else, um, that's in your life that you, you rely on and, um, you know, you have to have, you get to have those conversations and, Hey, I got your back. You know, we're going to make this work no matter what. So uh, without her, you know, I'd probably still be miserable at school um, instead of loving what I do every fourth day. So uh, just a little bit, you know, about our story. Uh, Bobby, let's kick it on down to you and uh, see. get your closing thoughts.
1: Well, thank you so much, Mike and Ann, for coming on. It's been a great conversation. I'm definitely gonna, going to read that book, and, and I usually make fun of my wife mostly because she doesn't watch this show. Um, but you know, I, I want to do some call outs for her, you know, through my fire service career, um, you know, she has always supported me in my decisions. So at one point I was trying to get hired at Baltimore city and things like that, which didn't work out, but I had to have that conversation with her and she says, whatever's going to make you happy, you know, you do. And that's, and you know, I, I was 35 years old. I had 10 years in a retirement at one place and said, I'm going to work in ocean city. And I did the math and said, well, that means I'll be able to retire at 60, which I got to tell you when you're 35, what you think the fifties are is not even remotely close to what the fifties yeah. are. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but I would, I wouldn't trade this career in for anything, but you know, Mike and Ann, you guys, you really hit on the, the nail on the head that I can't imagine what it would be like to do the job that I do and go home to an empty house. Um, I, I, you know, my decompression is, is uh, my dog. Um, you know, I, when I was younger, I always thought the dog was a chore, like taking a dog for a walk, but you know what, every time I come home, she wants to go out for a walk. And that gives me that my 10 minutes of that decompression time you're talking about where we don't have very long conversations, you know, and I can kind of decompress a little bit. So I, I really got to give my wife a big shout out because she has been very, very supportive of me through this whole thing. Um, and, and knowing the risks that we take, she's been behind me, so. Um, you hear the dog in the background now. So <laughs> you Daddy, Daddy, Daddy and a for a bit. walk. I heard you say it. <laughs> so, yeah. so thank you guys so much for coming on. It's been awesome listening to you. I'm definitely going to read this book. It sounds like it would be great information for me, too. And um, thank you guys for seeing you guys again. And, you know, my thoughts and prayers are still with Baltimore City and Mike. Um, you know, you guys all stay safe out there. And um, Cheers.
3: Well, uh, yeah, man. Thanks for having us. Um, I hope you, I hope, uh, so I know it's a short amount of time. We could go on and on for five, six, 10 hours, you know, but yeah. uh, I hope it at least kind of scratched the surface. Um, uh, I'll show you the book. Um, it's Challenges of the Firefighter Marriage. Um, you know, we talked about First Family First. We've, we worked really hard on this cover. It's purposeful. Um, what you see in the middle of the cover of the book is you see Ann and I as twenty-year-old kids. Um, we didn't have a pot to piss in, man. We got, we had, we had no money. We had no, you know, no backing, no nothing. It's just, just two kids who wanted to be together, and wanted to do life together. Uh, what you see there is two young kids on their knees before God, committing our lives to each other and to, you know, to have each other and to look out for each other and let the wind blow. And then what you see all around it are pictures of the fire service, the things the fire service have brought in to try to disrupt and split that apart. And I just want to give you encouragement that uh, you can do it and you can have them both and you can enjoy your career and you can enjoy each other. And if you are interested in a copy of the book, um, you can get them from Amazon. You can get them from fire engineering books or if you would like a, a personalized copy Um, just shoot us an email or shoot us a text or get me on Facebook. And uh, you can get a hold of me through the guys here. They'll have our contact info and we'd be happy to personalize it to you. Or, you know, some guys now, it's kind of cool. Company officers, instead of just going and buy a round of drinks, they're buying books for their crew to make sure that they have it or to buy them for the firehouse. Um, We just sent a case of books to Green Bay Fire Department. The fire chief there is making sure that every new recruit that comes in Gets a copy of the book, so we won't we won't be saying this thing we're saying of you know God. I wish I would have known this twenty years ago. You learn it on the front end what to look out for, and it can really save a lot of problems. So, um, honored to be with you guys. Thanks very much, and uh, hope we get to uh, hope we get to come hang out at your firehouse someday and talk marriage and fire and everything else.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, Mike and Ann, uh, thank you so much for sharing your story and all your work and efforts with us. That's uh, huge for us. And you're absolutely right. I think there's um, you know, more emphasis now on relationships, PTSD, mental health, all the things that we are really lacking for so long. And we still have a long way to go, but the efforts that you all have made are great. Um, you know, Ben, you, you got you've got the young family and you've got a lot of sage stuff here and are going to be able to contribute not only to yourself, but those people who are underneath your charge as you go through your career. Um, I know you had to say what you said because your lieutenant's in the box below you. But, um, you know, at, at the same time, uh, you know, we, we have a great network. Um, you know, Bobby, don't don't ever uh, doubt your negotiating skills. Remember, you are married to a prosecutor. So if you survive this long, you're doing well. But um, and the, the last thing I have for you, Mike, I don't know if it's it's you or Ann, who is the uh, guitar aficionado. Are we going to hear like a little uh, stairway to heaven before you leave or is that for another <laughs> show?
3: <laughs> no, but. This one, the black one back here, that is signed by three members of Led Zeppelin. Uh, Yeah, John Bonham is not on there because, I don't know, you probably got to be a lieutenant at Ocean City with a prosecutor for a wife to afford that. You know, that's (laughs) that's a different that's a different level. So,
2: yeah. Uh, well, Mike, Mike and Ann thank you so much again for Welcome. sharing your story with us. And you know, again, please check out their book. I know uh, Ben, are you going to be able to pop their uh, information up at the end?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm going to pop it up. We're going um, right, to hang on, so I'm going to share my screen here.
2: All right, brother, take us home. Thanks,
3: guys. Thanks, uh, guys. Re- really an honor. Thank you, thank you all, thank you guys. Safe.
0: Um, so just just a couple real quick things. Amazon. This is the. Um, This is the the listing for the book, Challenges of the Firefighter Marriage. If you guys are interested, shoot us an email, uh, send us a comment on Facebook, anything like that, and we'd be happy to get you guys hooked up with uh, Mike and Ann if you'd like a personalized copy. Uh, I think I might mail mine out and see if I can get an autograph in it. Um, uh, So there's there's that on, um, like I said, on Amazon. Also, in the pre-show, they were talking about uh, one of the conferences they have coming up, the International Conference for Women in Fire that's going to be in Orlando in September. So if you guys are in the in the Florida area or looking for a trip uh, to see Mike and Ann, there's going to that's an option uh, down there. And um FDIC um we've we've had uh, Chief Halton come on a, a while ago now. Um Trevor's had the opportunity to go out and speak before didn't make the cut this year. Um but that's not going to stop us from uh, trying again. So FDIC 2022 is going to be April 25 to 30. Um, So if you guys are able to to get signed up and registered for that, uh, it's a great opportunity, lots of networking, lots of great hands-on training. Uh, So go check that out. And then the last thing, um, yesterday when I was at work, I was working with Eric Olson, uh, who is the Ocean City peer support team leader, Um, and he's going to be doing something. This is specific to um, the, the Salisbury, Wacomica, Worcester area of uh, the Eastern shore. So if you guys, um, if somebody's having an issue, they're struggling with something um, you know, he is, he's starting this um, group to get together and, and work on um, recovery and resiliency and all that kind of stuff. So um, if you're interested in that as well, uh, reach out to us. We'd be more than happy to help hook you guys up with that too. Um, Eric is one of the things that, that we've talked about with this is Eric's dedication to, recovery and resiliency and the peer support um, and the health and wellness of art of the ocean city fire department is phenomenal. Um, So again, if you guys are interested in any of that, please let us know. Uh, Be happy to, to help us out or help you out and and get up with Eric. Um, So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, great show. Thank you guys very much. Cheers
4: and have a good night. We'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. God bless. Thank you. you